0: We've been in the book of Hebrews, and we've been looking at the importance of Jesus. Why is Jesus so important? That's what the book of Hebrews is all about, talking about Jesus as the Son of God, as our great high priest, and it has all these different titles for him, and so this morning we're going to look at a section of scripture um, that challenges you and me. It challenges us. Um, It's something that maybe we overlook when we think about our faith, but it's this call to actually grow up in our faith, to become a spiritual adult. God does not want us uh, to stay spiritual children forever. He wants us all to grow into maturity, and that's what this passage is talking about. And what it calls out in this church is that this church's growth was stunted somehow, that they were dealing with the same things over and over and over again, and they weren't growing into the people that God wanted them to be. And I don't know about you, but I really don't like those times in my life where I realize that I've been immature Uh, And it it happens it happens guys Uh, early this week. I was in a in a meeting um, Where the room was a little heated. I was actually surprised going into this meeting It, It didn't have anything to do with CTK Blaine. Okay, it was something different. None of you guys I'm not gonna call anybody out this morning from this stage Um, But I said some things that I I thought about later. I was chewing on like was that too harsh? You know you ever have those things like oh, I said that in the moment, but was that too harsh? And so I made the mistake of Sharing with my wife. Hey, do you think this was too harsh for me to stay? And because I think I'm pretty good when it comes to dealing with conflict and She's really good at showing me my blind spots and so she said, actually, actually, sometimes you can be kind of a jerk. I was like, oh, really? Yes, you can get two in your head. You can, you can forget about where people are at. You can be insensitive. And I was like, dang, she's right. I can. And uh, that's why I'm married, you know, so that I have someone constantly helping me become more and more of an adult. Because um, I, on my own, I would think, hey, I'm pretty good. But I'm so glad that God gave me a wife to even point out when I think I'm doing good, oh, wait, no, nah, maybe I need to improve in this area, and I still need to grow up. And it was good because I called this person afterward make sure that everything was okay, and it was. Um, but it was a moment where I was confronted with my own immaturity, and it happens, and I'm sure it happens to you too. It could be um, getting caught gossiping about someone. It could be um, getting caught a, wa- a wave of jealousy or bitterness popping up. It could be, um, oh man, I went back to that vice in my life. I went back to that nasty habit. Whatever it is, we all have these moments where immaturity just kind of pops up in our life. And what Hebrews 5 and 6 show us is that God wants all of us to grow up, all of us to become mature spiritual adults. And this happens through a process called discipleship. We know that word, right? Discipleship. We all know it, it's hard to define, but it's this process of becoming a spiritual adult. And in scripture, our faith journey is called a lot of things. And in nowhere it says it's a cakewalk, right? It doesn't just happen automatically. Um, It's called a race, it's called a fight. The fight of faith. It's something to endure and it's something to grow through We're either growing in Christ or we're wandering away from him. Like there's a direction to our faith in our journey And in a lot of ways These last 18 months have been really hard for a lot of people, right? Really hard for the church a lot of division and I just talking I'm not talking about our church necessarily just the church in general where people have walked away from the church, whether it was because of COVID or politics or whatever. You've seen divisions happen. You've seen people beat each other up online. And then you've also seen a lot of people just get into this kind of blah when everything slowed down. Everything has slowed down. They don't, it's not that they ne- are necessarily upset. They just, it, there's a lack of motivation. There's a lack of movement. And I don't know where you've landed, but we've all struggled at some point with our faith in these last 18 months as we deal with the crisis around us. And so, church, my challenge to you this morning is let's not let that be our story. Let's be different. Let's be people who stay focused on Jesus and grow in him. Let's continue to love each other regardless of... Uh, political stripes or anything like that. Let's be spiritual adults. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And this is where the book of Hebrews really helps us out in chapters five and six. It doesn't just tell us, hey, grow up. It actually gives us a picture of what that looks like. It actually paints for us a picture of what it looks like to grow up in Christ. And so we're going to be in Hebrews five eleven this morning. And uh, we'll look at Hebrews five eleven through 14, and then we'll go into chapter 6 later. And this is what it says. It says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So this passage uses strong words to show us what it looks like to be mature in Christ. It gives us a picture of what it looks like to be a spiritual adult. And before we get into that, I just want to say, just like in life, like there's a season to be a kid, right? There's a season to be a kid. There's a season to figure things out in your faith. Um, when, when your kids come into the world, you don't expect them to get a job by age five, right? Like, I hope not. Um, but that's kind of the idea is that God gives us that time and that grace to mature, that as we take steps forward, he's cheering for us just like we do with our kids. Good parents don't overload or overwhelm their kids, and God doesn't do that with us as we grow in him. He gives us the, the right amount to deal with at one time. So I just want to say that if you're new in your faith, that God meets you with grace and patience. And it's actually our responsibility as a church to come around those who are new in faith and help them to grow with grace and patience um, as we walk with them. At the same time the writer of hebrews is talking to christians who should be adults He uses the word ought to should be adults in their faith And yet they they seem stuck they don't seem like they can take steps forward in their faith They aren't growing they aren't active in their pursuit of christ. They're passive And so he's referring back to what we talked about last week when he talks about jesus as our great high priest and he's saying About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, because you have become dull of hearing. He uses this word, dull. He calls out the church, not just individuals, just the church as a whole, has had dull ears. And the Greek word, uh, it means lazy or sluggish. The word is nothros. I don't know Greek, but uh, I, I listen to how they say it, so just mimicking that. Um, but the word is nothros, and it means lazy or sluggish. And so instead of, of being attentive, instead of, of having our, our focus and our, our, our eyes uh, on God and, and expecting him to say something, we tend to stop listening or stop trying to listen. We lose our eagerness. We lose our watchfulness. And, and we can even stop trying to hear God altogether. And so what I want to do is if that's you this morning and and, in the ways that I've done that, I want to own that so that we can move forward and say, God, I want to listen to you again. Because what God wants us to have is sharp ears, right? Finely tuned ears that hear him speak to us, that are waiting for him to speak to us, that want him to speak to us. We need to make a switch between having dull ears that aren't trying to listen, to having sharp ears that are ready to hear what God wants to speak to us. In my scripture reading this week, I was back in Acts, and we've gone through Acts in the beginning of this year, but I just wanted to share this passage with you, um, just as a picture of what would it look like for the church to have sharp ears, to be attentive to the things of God more than our our stuff. What if we prioritized listening to the things of God, and this is Acts 4.32, And it's just a beautiful picture. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. So what do you see? You see power. You see movement. You see authority. It goes on to talk about healing. You see people sharing Uh, You see one heart and one soul. What if we could move forward with one heart and one soul? Where we were more attentive to what God wanted to do with us as a whole than our own individual lives. And so that's the challenge is God wants us to have those sharp ears. Because I don't think this describes the church today. I don't think that the picture we see in Acts describes the church today, and I think we're in a season where God actually wants to sharpen our ears, not just individually, but as a whole, so that we would be sensitive to His Spirit. That we would be a church that we care more about each other than our stuff. That we would be a church where people come in and experience healing and grace. I would love for it to be described of, as our communi- on our community that God's grace was evident among us all. And in order for that to happen, we need to have sharp ears. And so what I want to do is, is continue to go into this passage and share five observations on what it looks like to, to be spiritually mature. Um, what this passage teaches, not in the negative, but in the positive— What can we learn? What is the picture that we need to have uh, spiritual maturity? And so the first one is this, is that maturing Christians act on the truth they hear and receive, that we don't sit on it, but we actually act on it. In Scripture, God is always connecting this. If you learn something, it means you don't just know it up here, but you actually practice it in your life. And that's part of maturity not just learning the word but actually doing the things that it says Of course, we have to start in the word. We have to start seeking God in his word But then we also have to take the step of putting it into practice Whether that's small or big it might be a small step But it's that that process of practicing what we're learning Because the frustration that this passage is speaking to is We keep saying the same things, but it's not Turning into something you're practicing So it's it's uh, it's calling that out that god doesn't want you to be in a place where it's just Repetitive guilt. He wants you to be in a place where you find freedom of moving forward in your faith God does not want you to be in a place where you feel that guilt all the time He wants you to move forward and it happens with this word called repentance Repentance happens with this word called repentance, and repentance is just simply when we agree with God about sin in our lives, things we need to change, things we need God to step into, and it's, it's about renewing our minds, it's about changing our mindset. First, we thought one way that what I'm doing was acceptable, and then we say, no, actually what I'm doing is hurtful to me, my family, and that is repentance, and it's not just a one-time moment. It's a continual process where we choose again and again. I'm actually going to go this direction because that's what repentance is. It's a change of direction. So we actually to be uh, free, we need to also be disciplined to repent and stay in the direction that God has us on. Because it's frustrating what this what this passage speaks to is the frustration of getting stuck in that cycle And when I was when I was a recruiter, I had a boss who I loved He was great because he he worked really hard and he was really laid back, which I think is a great combo But one thing about my boss was that he was a little passive aggressive Um, Like one time and I was I was having a tough week. I I was my, my numbers were down. I was struggling a little bit and he called me from his office. And he's like, hey, Tyler, I have a question for you. I was like, OK, uh, uh, what, what is it? And he said, what's the definition of insanity? And I didn't never heard this phrase as a 22-year-old. I was like, insanity, um, why do you need this information, Wade? I don't know. Um, is it not being in your right mind? And he was like, no, no, it's, it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And he just hung up the phone. And I was like, wait a minute, is that about me? is he calling me out (laughs) so passive aggressiveness aside like let's not get stuck in those cycles right but I was uh because that is an exercise in insanity is is if we repent of something but we come back to it over and over and over again that is the definition of insanity so I tell you that story to say hey let's be Christians that fail forward right when we make mistakes let's Fail forward we have all the grace of Jesus in our lives to actually fail forward to learn from our mistakes to confess With God and each other and move forward every day And we'll talk about The danger of unrepentance in a bit. Um, but but first let's go to observation two. Um, maturing Christians disciple others with their words and more importantly their lives so this is about discipleship. This is about inviting people into friendship in your life. Like that's how we really disciple people is it's, it's not about it's not about uh, preaching as much as inviting someone to be your friend, to follow you, to walk with you. And I, I know that many of us have been in church in years, but we've never been going to church for years, but we've never had someone come along and say, hey, I want to walk with you in this season. Like, I, I, I want to teach you what it means to follow Christ, or I, I want to just be your friend, and let's talk. Let's, let's talk about your life and be intentional about the things of God together. And, and I feel blessed that in critical times of my life, I had men who are older than me put their arm around me and say, hey, let's get together. Let's talk. Let's, what are you going through? How can I help? And I wish that all of us could experience that. But we can be that kind of church. We can be a church that decides to put our arms around each other and walks with each other in friendship. That people would learn not just through what we say, but what we do. Like how we live our lives. Uh, I I love um, what Pastor Eugene Peterson said. He said he, he didn't focus on programs in his church because he didn't want discipleship to be depersonalized right he he wanted he see saw discipleship as person to person and that's really what it is we teach people person to person personally investing in each other's lives I wouldn't even call it a relationship I would call it friendship inviting people into a, an intentional friendship of walking together here's the third observation It's this, it's that maturing Christians develop the discernment to see things God's way. So this passage also talks about this word, discernment. And it it says, Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now the words that I was drawn to in this scripture were the words, constant practice. And I thought, ugh. (laughs) You know, practice, when we hear that word practice, it's like, oh, man, (laughs) you know, what a drag. Like, if uh, my favorite NBA players, they said they had to put 10,000 hours in to become good shooters, right? Like, they they use this phrase constant practice. Like, if we're going to grow in our discernment, that's going to take constant practice, constantly making the right decision in our lives, even when it's hard. And we do this every day. Not every, um, not, not every decision that we, we have to make for Christ is a big decision. It could be a micro decision. It could be what do you do the first thing you, what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, right? What do you reach for? What do you reach for? Do you reach for your phone? Do you reach for your computer? Or do you reach for God's word? It's, it's in the micro decisions, and God is honored when we make those micro decisions for him So it's just putting into practice Distinguishing good from evil. It's putting into all practicing choosing good in everything you do In everything you do choosing good over evil and that's called practice Our faith grows through practice. Our discernment grows through practice Jesus said this he said he who is faithful with little will also be faithful with much Right, so we have an opportunity every day to practice our faith to practice our trust in God So as we come to um, chapter 6 The call to spiritual adulthood gets louder and I wanted to share this passage with you as we keep going It says Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God And of instruction about washings the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment And this we will do if God permits For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and who have shared in the Holy Spirit And have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance Since they are crucifying once again the son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt We'll talk about that For the land for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness And have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises so there's a lot there and we're not going to cover every little part of it but what it's saying is that us moving forward is absolutely critical us becoming adults is absolutely critical that that we're called not to just keep going to the same place laying the same foundation Over and over and over again, but actually build the house Once you have that foundation set build the house Don't be stuck on the cycle of 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 Struggling with the same things, but god wants you so badly to be able to surrender those things once and for all and begin to build the house of faith moving forward And I want to talk about this passage that this Chapter 6 is actually a passage that has freaked a lot of people out for a long time because a lot of people think that it's saying, if I mess up, then God's done with me. If if I mess up, then God is done with me. And I want to just share something that Charles Spurgeon said about this passage. He said there's a big difference between falling and falling away. This passage specifically talks about falling away. We all fall at we all fall at times in our walk with Christ We all fall we all fail in our walk with Christ But we we come back to God's grace and we move forward And I just want to tell you that's not what this passage is talking about This passage is talking about falling away Which is entirely rejecting Christ Which is saying experiencing all the good that Jesus has given you And then rejecting it completely and it's hard for me to imagine someone who has experienced all the goodness of God, who's experienced the Holy Spirit, who has received Jesus to come to a point in their life where they entirely reject that. I don't, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. What I'm saying is it's difficult. More likely, we fall and we look to Jesus to help pick us up, right? And, and so the... the the author of hebrews i think is just giving us this hypothetical situation of falling away instead of falling falling away is entirely rejecting christ falling is is needing jesus to pick you back up but the the truth is the bible talks about endurance and that's what we need we need endurance we need to press on even when things are difficult And I want to just look at this passage because it concludes with with an encouragement and a prayer. He's not saying that this is that church, that they've fallen away. He's saying, we are actually sure of better things about you. Their outlook is positive. And so the encouragement and the prayer, they're the last two observations. This is uh, the encouragement. Maturing Christians trust that God sees them even if others don't. God does not overlook you. God does not overlook the good that you are doing, the love that you're loving people with, the, the ways that you pray for people, the ways that you serve people. Some of us feel overlooked at times, but God does not overlook you. People might overlook you, but God will never overlook you. I just wanted to share this Uh, What jesus says in matthew 6 he says Thus when you give to the needy sound no trumpet before you As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others Truly I say to you they've received their reward But when you give to the needy do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you this is maturity. Living with that confidence that God sees you even when you feel like nobody else does. Living with, with, it, with that confidence that God sees you and knows you and understands you and sees the good even when others are missing it. Jesus is saying, Ke- keep the gifts a secret. Learn to, learn to just look for God's approval, not man's approval. And I got to tell you, so I've led a nonprofit and I've led a church and the temptation to want to broadcast all the good things you're doing Is pretty heavy at times, right? Because you want people to see it You want people to get excited about it. But what if Jesus is saying don't worry about it? Don't worry about who sees you and who doesn't because I see you I see you and and that's the approval that we should be after God's approval God's approval Here's the last observation as we close. Maturing Christians live with both God given urgency and peace. They seem like two different things urgency and peace. But they're not, they're related. Uh, God, um, we, we see that at the prayer at the end of this passage is that we would be earnest in, in seeking Jesus. Yet at the same time, be fully assured. So we are, we are earnestly seeking Jesus. We have all of our passion and, and, and desire set on him. Yet at the same time, we know we're not trying to earn anything. We know Jesus has done everything, uh, everything we need to be saved. We, we're counting all of that. And so we live with peace. We live with peace peace. And urgency, urgency because time is short Urgency because the kingdom is now and people need to know about this Jesus And so we live with the peace of Christ um, Knowing that like we're healthiest when we are at rest with God When we are completely confident in his work But we're also available to people, right? We're also available to help others find him as well And so we have an opportunity to do that. Think about the people that you connect with every day, whether it's at work or your family. Who are the people that God has given you? Relationships that God has given you to steward for Him. This is not about finding out all your weaknesses and pinpointing those and making you feel small. This is about making Jesus really, really big in your life. You serve a big, big God a very capable God, a God who loves you, and a Savior who died for you and loves you and provides you with abundant grace so that you can move forward and at times fail forward. So that's my challenge to you today. Do you, are you ready to chase after this Jesus, that he might work on you and mature you? Jesus said that he's the way. The truth and the life. Are you ready to give it all for that way? To grow in the truth and to experience his life. That's maturity. Let's pray. God, we, uh, Lord, I just come before you this morning and on behalf of, uh, of all of us, God, and ask you to help us grow in the areas where you want us to grow. Lord, help us to take steps forward, whether they're big or small. Lord, each person in this room knows the step that they need to take. Lord, each person in this room knows the struggle, knows where they're stuck, knows what needs to happen, God. And if they don't, Father, I pray that you would reveal that to them. But Lord, I pray that if we feel stuck, that Jesus, you would help us to get unstuck so that we can move forward. Lord, may we all be spiritual adults. Would you show us what we need to do to get there? In Jesus' name, amen.